edition of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com and Minor League Baseball. Hi, how, how are you? It feels We just did a show last week. Why do I feel like it's been like a month since we did a show? Is it because there are games now? It could be. Yeah, we go from literally the desert of the offseason in which we have no baseball. The endless offseason. Yeah, to us. 15 games a day. And then it's just like, there's so much baseball happened. Clearly, yeah. weeks have gone by, but no, yeah. it's, it's just one like it always was. It's very weird. For some reason, I feel like, oh, man, we haven't done a show in forever. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we just did one of these last week. Same time, same place. Um, so, hey, I'm uh, Tyler Mon. Sam Dykstra is in New York City, the once and future king of MLB.com. Hi, Sam. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that title. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess that's one way of telling folks, you know, there will be some crossover coming up here. We, uh, As part of the restructuring of minor league baseball, there is – some new opportunities for us to publish places or things in new places. Um, so you might see Tyler's byline. You might see my byline. You might see Kelsey Hennigan, Josh Jackson, anybody on our staff, uh, our bylines appear over at MLB.com. Um, it's, it's still going to be us. It's still be, being us pr- providing you the same stuff. The rapper's just a little different, um, but MLB.com is still around too. Like we're still going to be writing stories there and, and keeping the site going strong there. And, anticipation of the minor league season so don't be surprised if you see us in some new places but the podcast is still here lots is still happening in its usual spots and we are excited to be back with you again as we've got all kinds of baseball news to get to and we have actual baseball on fields in florida and arizona to talk about and we are really excited for that thanks for uh, hanging out with us wherever you found the show before the show podcast on apple Podcasts or google play or spotify or anywhere else you can give us a rating and a review and a subscription and you can get in touch with the show as well podcast at milb.com and uh, a whole bunch of stuff to get started on today we are going to kick things off with some news not exactly baseball related, but uh, related to this podcast and therefore somewhat baseball related. You may have noticed last week, no Benjamin Hill. We have been making the comment to Ben for the last several weeks of the podcast. Oh, future father, Benjamin Hill joins the show. He is now current father, Benjamin Hill. Congrats, Ben. Uh, little, a little baby arrived last week. Um, I believe the day after we recorded, maybe it was the day that we record. I can't remember. Time doesn't make any sense. Um, but but pretty awesome. You've you've heard from Ben. Uh, I would imagine there's been very little sleep for Ben over the last week or so. But uh, pretty exciting time for the the triumvirate of the show before the show podcast has its first offspring. Ben, yes, yes, it's the first the show before the show baby. Um, but yeah, Harry James Hill uh, was born on February 24th. Checked in at 7.4 pounds, 20 and a half inches. Ben posted that he already has an OPS of 1.423. Wow. I can't independently validate that. Impressive. Yeah, let's go with it. Uh, I really like that Ben also pointed this out, that uh, his son, Harry, again, Harry Hill, uh, is in part named after Harry Callis, the longtime Phillies broadcaster. Uh, Anybody who's listened to this show knows that Ben grew up with Phillies baseball and loves listening to the game. Even now, I'll be talking to him. Uh, outside of work and it'll be like yeah i have the game on in the background sometimes even on radio uh so that seems really cool that even his kid has a baseball tie-in like this uh but we're super super happy uh for for him and his partner jill uh for for the arrival of harry um as ben tweeted you know the dad jokes are going to commence and it, this is somebody who's just been building up these i was gonna say ben's been jokes. prepping for that for a long time yeah, he's been using them even without a child in his life. And now he Without a one. license. He's been um, tweeting dad jokes without a dad license. Yeah. 
So if you haven't heard the news, go congratulate Ben. Uh, he still has his Twitter account. He hasn't been tweeting for very obvious reasons in the last week, but he's still at Ben's biz. I'll go congratulate him on the arrival of Harry. And, and we couldn't be happier for him. And whenever he's, he's back, he'll be here. And I'm sure he might sound a, a little more tired than he normally does, but um, we'll get more into it with him then. But yeah, big, big news, at least on the MILB.com front. We uh, are so thrilled for Ben and uh, big congratulations to him, of course. And we can't wait to have him back, but obviously not, uh, not too soon because it's going to be pretty great for him to be able to spend some time with the, the new little one and uh, you know, not have to deal with us on a weekly basis, which is also probably a win for him. So with that, we're going to dive into talking some baseball stuff as the spring training season is underway in Florida and in Arizona at the Grapefruit and Cactus League sites across the game of baseball. Things look very different this year, obviously. Uh, limited fans, people wearing masks, um, all of those sorts of things. There are not gloves popping and, and bats cracking on backfields at quite the rate that there would be on a, a normal spring training afternoon or morning. Uh, and that is because, of course, Double A and Class A teams not yet at their respective facilities uh, to get ready for the minor league season, which will kick off in May. We have another update to the minor league season that we will get to here coming up in a little bit. But we're going to start things off today talking about the return of the alternate training sites, which is something that will be part of the baseball landscape here to kick off the 2021 season. Of course, you remember the alt sites from last year when it became obvious that holding a minor league season and all the things that that would entail uh, in a pandemic uh, riddled 2020 landscape was not going to be possible. The alt sites came into being uh, for each team across major league baseball, where players could train and be part of the alternate groups that potentially could be called up or just get some work in for 2020. Uh, all of that alternate training sites will return in 2021, but there are some changes uh, this time around. There will be a larger taxi squad, a five player taxi squad this time, you can only call players up from the alternate site to be placed onto your major league roster. So uh, as Sam and I were talking before the, the show started today, and as he put it, you can't essentially have a guy getting ready for his minor league season in Florida uh, and call him up straight from, you know, if he would have been on the double A team, uh, you can't call him to the big leagues. Those are some of the changes. Sam, give us a, a little bit more of the lowdown on the alt sites coming back to kick off this year. Yeah. Well, I think the, the first thing we should point out here because we have so many minor league fans listening to the show, I'm sure you probably are already aware of this, but the return of the alt sites means that AAA is going to be delayed. Um, unfortunately, when minor league schedules came out, it was announced that AAA was going to start before the AA, high A, and low A leagues. Their opening days were going to be on April 6th and April 8th. There's a lot of hope involved with that. As somebody whose birthday is April 7th, I love the idea of AAA opening days on April 6th and April 8th. But uh, unfortunately, given, well, in some ways, fortunately, right? Like the, the reason why they decided to push it back is because we got some really good vaccination news this week. President Biden announcing that basically we're going to have enough vaccine to go around so everybody in the country, knock on wood, can be vaccinated by the end of May. Which is pretty um, incredible. So if you are going to be cutting it that close, you, why push things in the beginning of April? As a lot of people know, AAA West is going to involve a lot of travel, a lot of plane travel specifically. Um, you don't want players getting caught on that, potentially getting, get, catch, catching something and, uh, you know, et cetera, down the line. So delay of a month, hopefully players can get vaccinated in that time. Everything can be a little bit safer. And, hey, maybe AAA parks can be a little bit more full on their actual opening days come, come May. Um, so that's, that's one piece of news we should talk about. The other one in terms of alternate sites, 
Um, yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how these rosters work. They are going to be different from the alternate sites that we knew in 2020. It's a phrase I was really hoping I would never have to say again, but COVID being what it is, we are still in this scenario. Uh, as you'll recall, last year's alternate sites were popped with top prospects, guys that organizations really wanted to make sure got enough time during the summer to continue their development. Um, so you'd see like a Francisco Alvarez in Mets camp at the alternate training site here in Brooklyn, uh, even though he hadn't played class A ball yet. Uh, or, you know, you can go down, down the line. We talked to a lot of guys who were at alternate sites last year. Ryan Weathers actually made the majors after spending some time at the alternate site, but he had never played above low A before. Um, so you're not going to see that this time around. What it really sounds like is the players at the alternate sites are essentially going to be what the AAA team would be. Now, there might be some exceptions there. You might send somebody uh, to the alternate site who's kind of on that AAA, AA line. But because of what Tyler mentioned about only players at the alt site can be called up to the majors, you're not going to have your low A, high A players taking up roster space there. Um, it's, that space becomes a lot more valuable now. It's not just guys get working out because they're going to still get those workout opportunities in Florida or in Arizona um, once minor league camp really expands out and double A, high A, low A rookie ball guys are allowed to, uh, to go to their camps. Uh, starting at the beginning of April. Those opportunities are still going to be there in ways that they weren't in 2020. Um, so if somebody isn't sent to the alt site, it's not a big deal. It just means the team really does not expect that player to be called up in April. Uh, they could still get that chance in May. They could get that chance in June when everything really does start going again. And we're talking about a true minor league season. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Who are these teams sending? And what does that say about their status of where they would open the season because if they're going, that probably means they are strictly triple A players. And uh, with that, we get a chance to talk about some guys who will be factoring in on the landscape uh, in the perhaps major league season, certainly minor league season in 2021. Um, and it is really cool to have, you know, this feeling in the back of our minds that, oh, maybe, you know, you push this back to beginning of May, uh, you know, maybe by June, July, certainly August later in the season, we're going to see fuller ballparks, like you said, Sam. And um, I know there was a, a conversation I had with a, a AAA West um, front office member who said, you know, as of when the, the new league footprints were announced, over half of AAA West was unsure of whether or not they'd be allowed to have any fans in the ballpark when the season opened. Um, so being able to push the season openers back, I think, is a, a big step in that direction. And there are going to be a lot of exciting talents for fans to go see this year. Um, and already some guys who are making some big impacts uh, in Major League Spring Training. I know Wander Franco yesterday uh, hit a home run that I believe still has not been located uh, as of where it landed. The Tampa Bay Rays top prospect and the top prospect uh, in all of baseball. Spencer Torkelson is in camp with the Detroit Tigers, uh, a guy who I know we had a story on MLB Pipeline today about uh, Nate Pearson shut down for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Royce Lewis, the injury news for him that we talked about last week. Um, so ups and downs, obviously, all over the place throughout camp. Uh, Cade Cavalli, a recent guest, fairly recent guest of the podcast, a, a professional debut in his first inning of work today. Jared Kellenick has been fantastic for the Seattle Mariners. Julio Rodriguez, uh, very fittingly, had a walk-off base hit on the first day of M's. Uh, camp, not camp, but of games for the Mariners uh, and drove in Jared Kelenic with that walk-off base hit. Sam, some of the biggest standouts early on in Arizona and in Florida to you have been who? Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up on that Cade Cavalli story because uh, one thing that stood out to me today in his post-game comments, which I, Tyler, I give you full credit for this. 
um, because I would not have asked this when we talked to him on the interview, but he, apparently he offered to cut uh, Davey Martinez's hair. Ah! Cade's so, cuts. Cade's cuts yeah. on Instagram. Cavs cuts, I believe it was. Cavs cuts on Instagram. Yeah. So that apparently is carried straight to... Uh, and obviously because they all listened to our interview. It was for no other reason. They just heard on our interview talking about Cade Cavalli and his his shearing and his trimming and all the skills that go along with his hairstyling. I mean, I'm just saying, like it put your question, put it on my radar. Now it's on everybody's radar. So maybe he will actually be the, the national scene barber Wait, earlier than we expected. I guess we should explain this. If somebody is tuned in, who did not listen to that episode, Kate Cavalli, uh, first draft selection of the Washington nationals last year. Uh, he's kind of a hair cutting connoisseur, something that he picked up during his time at the university of Oklahoma, um, where he essentially said that he like got a haircut and he thought to himself, Oh, I can do this. And then just like picked it up and got really good at cutting hair and uh, used to cut teammates hair uh, with him when he was with the Sooners. And yeah, has kind of gotten, uh, I think he said he did it last year for a few people in the national organization but now it's it's part of his repertoire yeah yeah now it's spreading to major league camp and honestly ball curveball change up hair cutting well i'll you point out too he did hit like 98 on the gun um watching the stat cast data come in for his start today was really exciting and seeing him pump that velocity is a reason why he was a first round pick last year why the nats were very excited about what he did at the alt site and why he's a top 100 prospect now but honestly how many times have we heard stories from prospects being like, you know, I'm just trying to fit in in spring training camp however I can. And especially now in which there are so fewer opportunities to just hang out in the clubhouse and everything is, is so different because of protocols. Um, finding your niche in, finding a way to, to be a glue guy, to be someone everybody likes to have around. It, it's, you know, an advantage that Cape Cavalli has now. And then, um, you know, it, good for him for finding that avenue. Um, but in terms of guys actually performing on the field under Franco, you mentioned hitting that home run, really turning on a on a fastball and getting all of it. I uh, enjoyed his postgame interview in which he said he didn't see it land, uh, which is crazy. But if you watch the video, it did land on a building uh, beyond the right field fence. So he, he really got all of it. Um, as many people were saying, like, that's why he is the top prospect in baseball. It is not just hit tool with him, even though that is the 80 that we all love to talk about. But the power is legitimately plus. Um, he can really turn on balls, spray them all over the yard. Um, but when he really pulls one like that, he can yank it like with the best of them, really. Um, so seeing him get to do that was was pretty special. Jared Kelnick, you mentioned um, getting driven in by Julio Rodriguez. That was a lot of fun just to watch in terms of all the narrative that's gone around the M's the last couple of weeks. But also there was I can't remember who was broadcasting the game, but the game was on TV. Uh, which if you've been following spring training is a little hit and miss on what games are on TV and which aren't, but this one was, and somebody was saying about Jared Kelnick, uh, you know, he'll, he'll tell you when he's ready. And literally as the sentence was finishing, he connected on a home run to center. It, it was so perfect. It was borderline poetic how that worked. Um, I still don't know if he's going to open camp uh, with the Mariners or not, but the fact that he keeps doing these things and coming just as advertised is going to make that conversation very, very difficult for the Seattle front office, especially I know they're trying to say like this guy does not have much experience above a ball. I get that, but he was at the alternate site all last year. He was facing essentially double a triple a competition. Uh, he was making the most of it like anybody else was in 2020. So I think it's a little disingenuous to say he has limited experience because 
what they were trying to give him at Tacoma was as close to high level experience as he could get. So I think he's making the most of this camp. It's great to see him come through with that power uh, for sure. Um, some of the other guys that have stood out to me, Bobby Dahlbeck continuing to show off his power. I think he has three home runs, which is either tied for the spring training lead or the out and out. Yeah. It's tied with Joey Gallo as of right now uh, for the spring training lead. Not a big surprise there for Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, the power is his calling card. It's going to be a big deal for him. Um, but the fact that he's bringing it to spring training and potentially winning out that first base job in Boston because of that power is certainly promising. Sticking in that same organization, um, one, one of the best performers of the entire spring, regardless of prospect status, has actually been Jaron Duran, uh, who, if you follow reports coming out of Pawtucket last year, the Red Sox were really enthused by what he was able to do with his power. Um, he's a big speed guy. You could throw a 70 on his speed tool. But the thing with him was he was always hitting the ball on the ground, which could work in, in certain places. It certainly worked at Class A Advanced Salem when he started out his career. He kind of hit a wall at double A, uh, but he needed to elevate the ball more and really try to tap more into that power. And the Red Sox said that was happening at Pawtucket. We saw some highlights of it, but we wanted to see it in game action. It happened a little bit. This winter in Puerto Rico, he, he went down there for winter league ball. Yeah, I was going to jump in on that. He started yeah, Tyler, really, really slowly down there. And then toward the end of the, the season in Puerto Rico, blew up, went to the Caribbean series uh, in a slash line in seven games. The Caribbean series was 400, 500, 640. So got something figured out toward the end and uh, through the playoffs in Puerto Rico and then on to the Caribbean series, which has been, you know, he's right around that age right now uh, for prospects. You know, he turned 24 in September. Um when you get to that stage, 23, 24, 25, it's kind of finishing school at that point. Um, so it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's a, a make or break sort of stage for him, but it certainly looks like he's ready to make. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to take credit for this. Alex Spear of the Boston Globe uh, tweeted this out before me, but uh, the idea that Duran getting all that experience this winter, he's basically showing up in game shape. Um, there's not really much ramping up he has to do. So that could be playing a factor here. He might just be his swing is exactly where it needs to be as opposed to some of these pitchers who are working on some things. But again, when the question for him was, okay, let's see the power play. And it has uh, this quickly, this spring is certainly promising. Um, some other names I'll, I'll just throw out there. Key Brian Hayes, probably the NL rookie of the year favorite going into 2021 uh, is off to a quick start four for eight at the plate. He's got a triple and two doubles. So he's doing basically exactly what he was doing at the end of the year last year for the Pirates. Uh, Mackenzie Gore got a start today. Did not look particularly great. I'm never that worried about pitchers early on. Um, usually they're working on stuff. They're trying to see how pitches fit and then making adjustments for theirs from, from there, excuse me. Uh, so he, had, he gave up some hard hit balls. He actually rolled the first inning. They didn't allow him to finish it because he had too many, uh, pitches in that first inning. So not great for Mackenzie Gore, especially at a time when he wasn't called up last year. We thought he would be the first man up for the Padres. He wasn't. He's kind of the sixth man in the rotation right now. He, he needs a strong spring to make his case. That's not happening, at least in this first outing. We'll see what adjustments he makes from here uh, and how things improve. But keep an eye, especially on his delivery, because I know that was a big point of emphasis for him last year at the alt site. And one other name I'll throw out, because uh, I wrote about him this week, is Taylor Trammell, 
Uh, now with the Seattle Mariners system, we've talked so much about Kalnick and Rodriguez and Kyle Lewis is coming off an AL Rookie of the Year campaign. That outfield is going to get crowded real quick. Tramel is the number 100 overall prospect in MLB Pipeline's rankings. Uh, he is a legit prospect in his own right. He just he didn't really hit that much in 2019. He was traded in 2020. Uh, he has a, a lot to answer for if he's going to be something other than the fourth outfielder for Seattle. Um, he's hit a home run so far. It sounds like he's making a lot of hard contact. He's done that in the past. I, both futures games he's been in, I've been really impressed by the amount of hard contact he makes. So if he can keep doing that on a consistent basis, maybe he can carve out a role with the Mariners. Uh, I don't know exactly what that will be. Julio Rodriguez, in all likelihood, is a few months away from a debut. So maybe Trammell can, can cut in line there. You never know how things are going to sort out. The Mariners would love to have too many outfielders. Um, but keep an eye on how Tramel tries to elbow his way in because this is his first Seattle camp after getting traded from the Padres in the middle of last season. So uh, a lot going on in the world of baseball right now, which is pretty exciting and something that just feels good to have uh, some real baseball to talk about and some prospect performances and all of that. Um, and we are just a couple of months away from the start of the minor league season, the anticipated May start of the minor league season. And uh, can't wait to get to that as well. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. We're very pleased uh, this week to be joined on the Minor League Baseball podcast, the show before the show, on a big week for AAA baseball, as we discussed in the last segment. Uh, we're joined this week by Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders President John Adams. John, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know what? I'm doing all right. I'm ready for some baseball. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are. And it, it's been good to, to get into the swing of things with spring training. But um, as we found out, AAA is going to be delayed a little while. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but I just wanted to start out because I was, I was looking over the Rail Riders website and your bio. You started in this role with the Rail Riders <laughs> in January 2020. So I guess my first question is, how have your last 15 months been? Uh, not what I anticipated my first 15 months uh, <laughs> of the job being, you know, it's, uh, you know, first two months obviously were a bit of a whirlwind, right? You're coming into a new organization. You're trying to get your arms wrapped around things, get to know the staff uh, while, you know, at that time preparing for a season, um, you know, and then I still remember it was March 16th last year. So we're not too far out of the, the one year anniversary, uh, having a meeting with our staff and saying, Hey guys, we got to go home for two weeks. And it looks like we might miss the first homestand 
um, you know, but we'll be ready to go. And, and those two weeks turned into, you know, where we're at today. Uh, you know, certainly it wasn't what I anticipated. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, the ideal situation, but uh, that's what everybody in the entire world, you know, was dealing with and had to deal with. So it's been a lot more um, spreadsheets than, you know, baseball diamonds than what I would like. Um, but, you know, we got through it and, you know, we're, we're a lot closer to getting back to that point now again. Right. Yeah. And, and let's get to the big news of the week now. Finding out that that season's going to be delayed again. Um, we were talking a little bit before we started here. It, it is kind of good news in that it sounds like everybody could be vaccinated in the United States by the end of May. That's great. Um, it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but at the same time, it was safer, or Major League Baseball decided it was safer to start the AAA season May 4th instead of April 6th when you guys in AAA East was going to be. What was the reaction on the, with the rail riders to that news, and how are you guys feeling about having to start now on May 4th? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, um, yes, we much would have preferred to, you know, uh, start games on April the 6th. Right. I mean, the, let's just get back to baseball. I think, you know, certainly myself and our staff are ready to get back to that. Certainly our, our community, the anticipation of, of getting back to the ballpark and watching Rail Riders baseball is through the roof. Um, at the same time, it, it wasn't totally surprising. I mean, you know, just like everything else, you know, a lot of common sense and, and kind of seeing what's going on around you. Um, you helped kind of justify and, and realize that the decision, you know, it, it makes sense, right? Give an extra month uh, to keep everyone safe. AAA is always, uh, they're always going to be more protective of AAA than, than single A and double A just because of the level of um, integration with you know, the major league team and guys constantly going up and down. And, you know, there being a lot less resources at the AAA level to keep the players safe. You know, they're, they're on buses, they're in hotels, you know, a lot more frequently, um, you know, than without, I'm sorry, without the resources that Major League Baseball has going through that process to keep the guys safe. So it made sense. I think the one thing, you know, when, when the schedule came out, April 6th was the opening day. Uh, but I think there was always this little, bit in the back of our head that, you know, how is this realistically going to happen? Um, pushing it back a month. And, and for us, it pushes it, the home opener back to May 11th. Um, I think we, we have a, a high level of confidence that this is going to happen and we can put a pin in this and we're going to be playing baseball with fans in our ballpark on, on May 11th. And, and we, we feel like that's going to happen and, and we can get excited about it. Yeah, and I know so much of the discussion at every level of sports right now is percentage of fans that could be back. Obviously, yeah. that's kind of you're under the guidance of the Pennsylvania state government on that. What is yeah. the status of that? What are things looking at, like where you guys could be come May 11th when you guys face off against the Iron Pigs? Yeah, um, you know, so as of last week at this time, we were at 10% capacity. They, uh, within the past week, increased it to 20% capacity. Uh, for, for our ballpark, it's easy to figure out. We're a 10,000 seat facility. So you take, you know, 20% of that and we could, you know, if the season started tomorrow, we could have 2,000 fans back at the ballpark. Um, we are certainly anticipating uh, that increasing at least another 10% uh, before the opener. Hmm. Oh, very cool. And 
I, I feel like the answer to this might be a little obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Like, what effect does this have on you guys as an organization? I'm sure part of it is just like, well, now your April is obviously much more open. Um, but what is the, the pushback do for you guys in terms of planning for opening day and, and getting things ready? Um, but the alternate site obviously has a big effect, but in terms of planning for actually a AAA season, what does this pushback do for you? I mean, it's helpful, right? I mean, anytime, uh, you know, there, there's been, you know, very few answers along the way and, and not, you know, all the knowns of getting ready for a season that you typically have on a normal year. So pushing it back another month certainly gives us ample time to make sure we have all of our policies and, and procedures in place and ready to go. Um, you know, so that's certainly helpful, you know, from that standpoint. And also I think it does give us, you know, that extra month to get increased capacities from the state. And when we do have that opening day to be able to let more people into the ballpark. And uh, so let's get into what an alt site is, because you guys were the alt site last year for the Yankees. Um, it, I'm sure it was kind of nice to have some baseball at PNC Field, but take us through the logistics of what that's like from a minor league team side, because we hear about what, you know, the major league operations of it are in terms of guys getting sent on taxi squads and what workouts are like. But when you are at the field and, and you are the alt site yourself, how does that work from your guys' side? Yeah, I mean, honestly, last year, um, a lot of the work from the minor league front office side came in the prep, you know, and getting ready for that, right? We had, there, there was lots of things to figure out. How are we going to create kind of the footprint of, you know, distancing and um, testing and san sanitization and, and cleanliness and um, you know, all of those kinds of things, you know, we used the entire footprint of our ballpark to accommodate the taxi squad last year. Um, so, you know, it was meeting with the folks at the Yankees. They came in, did a walkthrough, talked about what needs they had and, and what we had to do at our ballpark to, to be able to host them. And then, you know, once we got everything set up and, and ready to go, uh, we were pretty hands off. I mean, really, the, the sentiment was more, hey, you guys stay in your front office and work on your business and give the rest of the ballpark to us um, so that we can, you know, um, reduce the exposure as much as possible uh, to our coaches and, and players and staff. So, you know, while they were here actually practicing, I never stepped foot outside of our front office, you know, onto the concourse and, you know, didn't even see a, a single <laughs> batting practice pitch. You know, because, you know, it was how do we keep these guys as safe as possible and, and exposing them to, to us was just additional exposure. Um, so it was pretty turnkey from our standpoint. You know, we, we helped get set up. We uh, set them up with some more vendors and um, obviously housing and, and all of those kinds of things. And then once they were off and running, they did their thing and, and we did our thing and certainly helped out where needed. But it was pretty minimal. And after that walkthrough, <laughs> you know, we have the system in place, you know, now it's waiting to find out what, what has changed, you know, in the past, you know, six months or, or whatever it's been since they've been here, um, you know, and, and are there maybe some loosening of uh, some restrictions where uh, we'd love to be able to host some fans and let them in and watch practice. Uh, we'd love to be able to let the media in and, and let them get some coverage as we build up through our opener and, and, you know, kind of uh, 
give our fans some some exposure to some baseball in advance of the, the, the opener. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And in that initial walkthrough that you went with the Yankees to say, like, this is the facility, this is how we're planning on working things. What were, if any, the alterations that you guys had to make to get ready last year? You know, the good thing is, is we have you know, a relatively new ballpark with a lot of space. You know, so there weren't, there weren't really any major projects that, that we had to undergo to, to create the space for them. You know, we had the space. It was just more of, all right, they want to use this room. That's where we have all of our promotions and, and all the giveaways that came in last year that we never used. We had to get them out of there and put them somewhere else. Um, you know, they used both locker room, the, both clubhouses. They used the, the clubhouse, the concourse. Um, so it was more of just clearing the space and getting the space ready to go. Uh, but we didn't have to, because we have a ton of space at our ballpark, we didn't really have to, to make any alterations for that. Hmm. Yeah. It was more of getting a clean, cleaning company in there and, and disinfecting, you know, on a um, daily basis, uh, a, a deep disinfecting. Uh, and on an ongoing basis, of if a, a guy picked up a weight, there was someone there ready to, to wipe it down <laughs> when you put it back down and, and all of those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, there wasn't, you know, we were fortunate. I, I know there's some other facilities that had to do a lot more than what we did, but we have a, a really nice ballpark that was able to, go, to accommodate. Hmm. Yeah, and it, for anybody who hasn't been to PNC Field, I, I, I really like, in the best of times, how kind of an open air concept it is. So I feel like it works really well. Uh, for that alt site. Um, but one of the changes that is being talked about, and I don't know if this has gotten to you guys yet, if this is something you've been asked to plan for, is the potential for alt site teams to play each other. And you guys are in Pennsylvania, Lehigh Valley, it's not that far away. Is that something you guys have talked about, about maybe having to play to like prepare for two teams to be there? It's not. I mean, you know, what was communicated to us when the announcement came out uh, a couple of days ago was that, that, you know, our, our Major League Baseball partners will be, you know, on site and, and working with us to figure out how we get ready for that. Um, but, but we haven't had those conversations yet. Okay. Yeah, no, it is, it is still very much early days in old site planning for sure. Um, one of the other big things of this offseason, of course, was the minor league restructure. Uh, I don't think anybody ever doubted that you guys and the Yankees were, were going to split apart. You guys signed a PDL. Um, but just take us through what that process was like um, for you guys who have such a strong relationship with the Yankees, we're never on any list of getting cut or, or losing status or losing affiliation. Um, but just going through that and having to officially sign the documents in that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think the more challenging part was more of just trying to understand, right. How is this going to affect our day-to-day -day business, right? What is major league baseball going to do? And, you know, delayed a, a schedule coming out and, and didn't know what teams were going to be our league and what, how the league was going to be structured. And, um, you know, kind of combine that with the unknowns of the pandemic. Uh, what it did is just take away, you know, a lot of you know, planning that, that could go into a successful season and just put you more in a, a reactive kind of mode. Uh, but you're right. We, we never, you know, for a second doubted, uh, you know, that, uh, we were going to be AAA and, and the Yankees were going to be our affiliate because of the relationship that we have with them. So I think we had a lot less anxiety on our plates from that standpoint than, you know, what, what a lot of other teams you know, might've had. Um, so, 
that part really didn't impact anything. We always planned as if we were going to be a AAA and we were always going to be Yankees. It was more of, all right, the day-to-day business, what changes are going to be made? And, you know, there's, um, for example, there's no longer an international league, an international league. And what's that mean? You know, what shared services are there going to be? What uh, best practices are there going to be? Um, what teams are going to be in our league and how do we, that there's how we handle transportation and uh, housing change and just all of those kinds of little details uh, that we you know found out recently and, and are reacting to. But um, that was more of how it impacted kind of the day-to-day front office side of on the minor league side. Hmm. Yeah. And when you look at this new triple A East, things are going to be different this year. You guys are mostly playing teams close yeah. by, um, but it is a now 20 team league. <laughs> <laughs> expanding as far west as St. Paul and Iowa and Memphis and all these other new teams that have been added. Um, what are the opportunities and the challenges of, of dealing with a league that big and that wide, really? Well, I mean, the opportunity, obviously, as you mentioned, this year is different. And, and this year, I think we'll just be happy to have baseball back and, you know, playing four teams, six teams, whatever, you know, it, people can come back to the ballpark and, and enjoy not just baseball, but, you know, just, uh, the community experience, you know, so this year will any baseballs, you know, going to be fantastic long-term. I think the benefits are, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to play new teams, um, different farm systems and um, you know, create more variety. And, you know, what our fans experience at the ballpark, the challenges are going to be travel. You know, we've been, you know, historically been a, a bus league and, and just about everybody in the league was within traveling distance from a busing standpoint. And, you know, there'll probably be some some more flights integrated into our, our plans, which creates some additional logistics with hotel and local busing of getting guys to, you know, to, if they fly in right now, they need local busing to get from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to the stadium, from the stadium back to the hotel, from the hotel back to the airport. And, you know, those kinds of things. Fortunately, I've been in the arena football league for a long time and kind of used to that kind of situation. And, uh, but ultimately I think the offset of um, any traveling challenges, you know, I think the, the resources that major league baseball is going to bring to to um, the minor league baseball experience long-term is going to be really beneficial to the 120 teams that are part of the PDL system. And not to look back at 2020 or 2020 too much. Um, but one thing you guys lost last year was the triple a all-star game. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the effect of losing that? And I know you guys have done, you know, triple tri- a national championship games. There, there've been some big games held at that park, but what was the effect of losing that one last year? I mean, that was the most devastating thing of last year because I think, you know, our entire region was really excited to showcase uh, Northeastern and and Northeastern, yeah, I can't speak, Northeastern Pennsylvania, right? And we usually just say NEPA. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) around knows what NEPA is. Um, That was really disappointing, you know, because I think we had a big opportunity, not only from a uh, impact on local businesses and all the people coming in from out of town was going to have, you know, we, we anticipated on taking what is traditionally the all-star game and blowing it up with, with bigger events and, and bigger opportunities than even what traditionally happened. So we were really excited about it. The community was excited about it and, you know, disappointing to lose it. I, I think the fact that we lost it on, 
you know, in the middle of something that was a world crisis and made it a little more palatable. Uh, and we'll wait to see what, what happens if we're able to get that back or if Major League Baseball changes what they do. We, we still don't have any clarity there. Fair enough. And, uh, well, looking forward more than back to the, the season and, and optimistic things again, um, so much about running a minor league baseball team is, is running promotions and trying to get people to the ballpark. And when you're dealing in 2021, I, I feel like part of it is just the attraction is just going to be baseball. Like there, there might not even need to be that much promotion, but it is still part of the minor league game with the caps that are going to be on attendance. How are you guys kind of planning to work promotions in and, and still at, include that aspect of what makes the minor league so fun? Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge is going to be more on the giveaway side, you know, and what the restrictions are going to be with, you know, just kind of that sharing of, you know, trying to limit the amount of contact, you know, that happens within the ballpark. So um, from that standpoint, we'll, we'll kind of push some of those things back into the later summer months where hopefully we're in a much better position and, and are able to do those kinds of things. In the beginning, we'll still have the weekly promotions, the, um, you know, all of the things that make minor league baseball special on a game by game basis and, and theme nights and all of those kinds of things. It'll probably be more in park, you know, more heavily video board oriented. We don't know how much access, for example, we're going to be able to have with promotions teams and mascots on the field and getting close to players and those kinds of things. So our plan is to do be video board heavy with everything that we do, at least in the beginning part of the season. And hopefully as the season goes on and, and the vaccine distribution you know, gets more significant, we can get back to more of what a, a normal experience is. And uh, all right, John, we'll, we'll end on two last ones here. When, when we do get back, and again, right now it's, it's May 11th is opening day for you guys and that circled. What is going to make it feel like it's back to you? And what is the moment you're looking forward to most when the rail riders face off against the, the iron pigs there on the 11th? Whew, what a good question. Um, I think it'll feel pretty normal just because it will be baseball and, you know, uh, we'll have fans at the ballpark. Um, you know, uh, I think when the rail riders take the field, you know, for the first time and, and uh, that's announced with PA system and, and, and some pump up music blaring and fans standing up and cheering. I mean, that's going to be a really special moment. I think the only thing that's going to be disappointing and that is, you know, we might only have 3,000 people there instead of 10,000 people to enjoy it. Um, so I think it'll be um, a little bittersweet from, from that standpoint. Um, but ultimately, you know, um, we'll get back to a point, hopefully later in the season, where that moment does occur. Maybe it's Fourth of July weekend or a special night in August or whatever, uh, and we'll celebrate that appropriately. But I think uh, where it's is, is going to feel like we're back is when the team takes the field and, and let's, let's play ball. Hmm. And, and one follow-up to that is that a different part of the schedule this year is that there will be six game series with yeah. Mondays off all the time. So you guys, you know, so much of what we talk about in minor league baseball, pretty much from every aspect is the grind, whether it's players or front office members or stadium workers. So what do you guys looking forward to or, or anticipating about having to deal with these six game series that could mean, you know, uh, they, the Monday break is going to be helpful, but there could be 12 games in 13 days at the ballpark, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
I think that affects the baseball side more than, than our side. We're used to long days and long home stands and right. yeah, it'll be a couple longer than, than, than what they used to be. But at the same time, it'll be a little bit of a reduced season at this point. Right. So, you know, we're used to the grind on our side. I, I, I think the longer home stands are going to more impact the baseball side where, you know, from a pitching standpoint, right. You're going through the rotation, you know, one plus times, <laughs> against the same team in a a short period of time and you're seeing all those relievers multiple times in a short period of time I think that's going to impact the baseball side of things more than we're going to continue to you know grind it out on long days and long home stands and we're going to continue to put on a a great entertainment experience as best we can with within the the, you know guidelines that are available to us um just on the baseball side, I think it's going to change things from a manager. I wouldn't want to be a manager you know, managing game six of a homestand. Yeah, I've thought about that too. In terms, I wouldn't want to be a player who's got to face the same guy over like <laughs> twice or a reliever three or four times in a series. That's going to, I could get old, but we'll see how that's going to go. It's going to, it's a game of adjustments, right? I have to think it, it, it it's advantage hitter, right? You, you get to see the pitcher multiple times and know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it's going to work out. All right, John, well, we will end on this one. I'm sure it's a question you get all the time, but since it's your first time on the show, I, I do have to ask it. You are President John Adams. <laughs> how much flack do you get for that? Like, are people playing hail to the chief when you walk around the office? Like, what is it like being with that name and that title? <laughs> you know, I lived it for a long time. And even kind of to add on to that, I was president John Adams in Philadelphia for about 12 years. Yeah, so, there you go. Um, yeah, there's comments, but it, obviously on a day-to-day basis, it's <laughs> not really something that's played up a whole lot. Uh, but you know, usually it's that first meeting with people and, and they make the 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 oh so unique joke <laughs> i'm pretty i, I see i know i know it's not a, it's not a out of left field question i just yeah i'm, I'm yelling pretty their going and uh yeah pretty uh light-hearted guy so good, good. I'll go. you gotta roll with the punches on that one so yeah. I, I guess the obvious follow-up which i'm sure you get all the time too is your middle name is not quincy right it is not no all right <laughs> that, was, that would be a little too on the nose. All right. Well, John Adams, president of the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, thank you so much for joining us. Um, every day, even with the delay, we are getting closer to the return of AAA baseball, which is a great thing yeah. for all of us. I'm sure we'll catch you down the line, but uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing you maybe at PNC Field this summer. Sounds good. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you having me. segment of this week's episode of the show before the show but uh we're not throwing this as our uh goodbye segment as if you were with us last week you will recall it's time for the second edition of our brand new segment better known affiliate structure which i wish i could toss to a colbert rapport-esque package right now with a whole lot of editing and snappy sound and production and all that but Sounds like a lot of work. So we're just going <laughs> to get right into it. Uh, last week, the, we did the National League West. This week, continuing along in the senior circuit, we're going to move to the National League Central. Sam and I will trade off uh, in our uh, in the teams, the five squads, uh, five clubs in the uh, National League Central, and there are four minor league affiliates each, and we will kick things off with the 
Chicago Cubs, who have four teams returning to their minor league family uh, from the past several seasons. At the AAA level, the Iowa Cubs in Des Moines, just across uh, a state border on I-80, west from uh, the city of Chicago, almost like directly west from the city of Chicago. The uh, the AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs remains the Iowa Cubs. Tennessee Smokies, uh, the AA affiliate of the Cubs, they will stay in that spot. The one flip-flop in this organization, the South Bend Cubs, formerly the low A affiliate, now high A, uh, located in South Bend, Indiana, less than 100 miles away from Chicago, and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, a team near and dear to my heart, uh, now the low A affiliate, formerly in the Carolina League, and now uh, the low A squad in the Chicago organization. Uh, Sam, the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, so the Cincinnati Reds, not a lot of change here. Uh, the AAA team will continue to be the Louisville Bats, uh, only 106 miles away from Great American Ballpark. Double uh, A Chattanooga Lookouts. The Lookouts had a bit of a history uh, with the Reds previously. Uh, they had been a Reds affiliate from 88 to 2008. Then there was a little bit of a hiatus. They came back on board in 2019. Now this will be extending even further. Uh, again, another flip-flop here. High A will now be the Dayton Dragons. Uh, Dayton consistent sellouts. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, they have consistent sellouts at their ballpark when it is safe to have uh, a bunch of people in Dayton, Ohio, uh, gathered in that way. So it makes a ton of sense for them to still be around. They're actually closer than Louisville. They're only 55 miles away from Cincinnati. And then now the low A club will be the Daytona Tortugas. Uh, big fan of them sticking around for sure. Anybody who had been following the back and forth of how the restructure was look, going to look, uh, it sounded like the Tortugas were kind of right on that line, um, but luckily they they stay in. Uh, they will now be the low A affiliate of the Reds. Jackson, Jackie Robinson Ballpark, still a minor league ballpark, still a, a historic structure that we get to keep around. So uh, just the biggest update here, again, just to reiterate, players will now go from Daytona to Dayton. They used to go from Dayton to Daytona. Now they're going from Daytona to Dayton. Now you it's a very confusing system, but that's the way it goes. Oddly enough, you drop the letter A despite climbing in the class A classification. It's a little weird. Yeah, there's no easy way to remember that. You just have to memorize <laughs> no, it's it. It's not it's not really a mnemonic device that makes that easy at all. Uh the Milwaukee Brewers, the Brewers getting back together with a with an old X. The the Nashville Sounds, now the AAA affiliate of the Brewers. They were the affiliate of the Brewers at that level from 2005 through 2014 now back with the Brewers, and they did one of the best uh, rollouts of their affiliate announcement. Uh, Nashville has leaned heavily into the the music city, the the record vibe, the old-time uh, kind of musical history of, of Nashville, and the tweet that went out when they announced their affiliation with the Brewers was uh, a record spinning on a turntable playing All My Exes Live in Texas with the Rangers logo. We've been their parent club for the last several years, and then it flipped over, and the Brewers logo on the back uh came up and it was a, a a comeback song now i can't remember what song it was and so this ends up being a dumb description but anyway go find it at national <laughs> sounds on twitter uh the biloxi shuckers and the double a ranks uh they have been the affiliate of the milwaukee brewers in double a since biloxi's debut season back in 2015 um and then yet another flip-flop carolina league and midwest league formerly for these two teams carolina mudcats moving down to low a the wisconsin timber rattlers who are only 104 miles away from milwaukee in appleton wisconsin uh, that is the new high a affiliate for the milwaukee brewers and uh carolina actually owned by the brewers since 2017 that'll now be the low a club 
All right, moving on to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not much change here. I, th- I feel like that's kind of the theme here of the NL Central. There are some wide changes in, in some of these organizations, but the NL Central is, is pretty well set in stone. Uh, for the Pirates, we got the AAA club, the Indianapolis Indians. Uh, Indianapolis, a very old franchise for minor league baseball. It goes all the way back to 1902, as Tyler knows. Uh, they were a Pirates affiliate for some time in the middle of the, the 20th century, um, but they rejoined the system in 2005. Again, that'll be extending out here. Double A Altoona, the Altoona Curve, another Tyler Mon franchise. Uh, only 97 miles away from Pittsburgh. They stay around. That one just makes all sorts of sense uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, the new high A team will be the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Uh, those two had joined forces in 2019. Uh, so now they continue as a high A affiliate. And the Bradenton Marauders uh, playing in the spring training home of the Pittsburgh Pirates will be now the low A team. They are the team that drops down from high A to low A. Um, but again, all these clubs have some history with the Pirates. If you're a Pirates fan listening at home, you don't really have to update too much. All you got to do is, is flip uh, Greensboro and Bradenton and everything else is about the same. As far as a, a visual consistency standpoint goes, the St. Louis Cardinals organization, uh, when you look up and down the, the Cardinals ranks on our graphic at MIHobie.com, there's a lot of red, uh, a little bit of blue, a lot of yellow. It's very uh, consistent across the board from AAA on down through low A. Memphis Redbirds remain the AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. There, again, there's not a whole lot of change in this system. Uh, the Springfield Cardinals, uh, another term for let's say red birds uh they're the double a affiliate formerly in the texas league and then another flip-flop low a and high a peoria chiefs who are uh the former low a midwest league club now bumped up to high a and the palm beach cardinals formerly in the florida state league at high a now the low a team peoria is the closest team to st louis 168 miles away and uh the my favorite thing about this piece up at milb.com there are a lot of links in this piece to the logo stories that I wrote in 2020 about a lot of these franchises. And so I feel very good about that. If you want to go back and look at the Peoria Chiefs logo evolution, how they ended up with that Dalmatian wearing the fireman's hat, uh, you can do that. Or, you know, the the Nashville Sounds or uh, the Chattanooga Lookouts, you know, whoever. There's a lot going on there. You know, one thing I've never noticed about the Chiefs logo, and Tyler, you you can correct me very quickly if I'm wrong on this, but – the way the hat is tilted, and please bring it up on your phone right now if, if you can't if picture you this in your head. In. But the red fireman hat is like tilted almost at the exact same angle as like the tail of all the other cardinals. Oh wow! Look at you. You see what I'm saying? That's like a good, when you look uh, at it next yeah. to like Springfield and Palm Beach, it's almost like it's they almost took like a the silhouette and turned it into a hat. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good catch. I think I'm thinking way too hard on this. I think you are, especially uh, just because of the fact that when they became the uh, the dog head logo, they were actually a Cubs affiliate. But yeah. still, that is true. Like if you were to just Photoshop out the dog's head, the the hat itself does very much have like a cardinal vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, man, what a catch, Sam. I swear I'm completely sober right now and I'm not like, I'm very I, it's just, I, yeah, I'm somebody very- tweeted, I asked this last night, like what, what do people listen to podcasts at? And they like, what speeds? And they right. were like, you know, you guys sound drunk at 0.5. And I was like, everybody does. 
That is true. There's nothing about me specifically. Every once in a while, you like hit the button and it accidentally speeds up, and then you got to go back through the progression to get to one x speed, you know, normal speed. But when you do go through the zero point five speed, and it's that really slow delivery of yeah, everybody sounds yeah, it's it's not the best sound for anybody. Although I sound like I'm at one and a half times speed normally anyway, so I'm the flip side of that equation. I mean, I, I have the same problem. When people were like, yeah, I listen to you guys at 1.2 or 1.5, I was like, I am sorry. Like, how do you listen? How do you listen to I would give myself it? a headache. How do you digest any of that information? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so that is what the National League Central looks like moving into the 2021 minor league season, which, again, is set to go uh, two months from today as we were recording this May 4th. May the 4th, if you were one of those uh, Star Wars night stands, as the as the term goes, as the kids say these days, um, then you will be thrilled to know that May the 4th will still be on the minor league calendar as we anticipate right now. But, uh, man, it just feels good to have some light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you mentioned the, the news about the availability of vaccines, hopefully by the end of April and into May, uh, being there for all Americans who want them and, you know, seeing real baseball on real fields and getting minor league schedules back and teams putting their promo schedules together. And where are these prospects going to be? Who's going to lead this level in home runs, a story at MLB pipeline right now. Um, it just feels good to feel good about something, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, it, you hear how many stories of guys talking right now and, and just saying, it's nice to have the actual sounds of the ballpark back. Yeah. Even if it's 20% capacity or whatever it is right. in Arizona and Florida, just even that murmur, even that guy who's like yelling at you to swing, yeah, is is just so much nicer than the canned stuff that and we the had. Cardboard cutouts, which, yeah, yeah, which was all necessary. I, I right. have no problem with anybody getting creative. Absolutely, 2020. And if you're listening to this and you're in Arizona and Florida right now, please, 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 actually wear your mask when you're seated. Do the right things. Do the right thing. It's I, I'm so happy you're back at the ballpark. Be safe when you are at the ballpark. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's nice to see that there is that light at the end of the tunnel and that we could get there and hopefully, 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 hopefully by like the end of the season, we're back to hundred percent capacity in some way. And that will be awesome. I, it's going to freak me out for a second. Like the next time I'm rubbing elbows with a yeah. stranger at a ball, yeah. but I might also be crying just out of yep. uh, sheer happiness. I know exactly what you mean. And, uh, keep the faith folks we're uh we're getting closer every day to a, a world that looks like we remember it i think and um and that feels pretty good so we will wrap up this week's episode of the show before the show we'll be back with you next week talk a little more about uh the grapefruit and the cactus leagues and what's going on in arizona and florida and uh for sam dykstra i'm tyler mom congratulations ben welcome to the world harry we'll talk to you next week